from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by CoachesEdge.coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. The age-old question, how do we get our players to outperform their perceived talent level, to, to make the most out of themselves as an individual, as an athlete, to be an overachiever? And of all the episodes we've done on the Coach's Edge podcast, we have not touched on this specific topic, which is why we brought in the big guns today. Coach Pete Van Kempen, Coopersville High School Tons of coaching experience at various levels. Coach, thanks for taking the time to be on the, the Coach's Edge podcast. Uh, you're, you know, longtime listener, first time caller, so to speak. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, go, go ahead and introduce yourself and, and we'll dig into this topic. All right. Uh, my name is Pete Van Kempen. I uh, have coached at Coopersville for 31 years, um, various sports. I coached football for 20. I coached basketball for now, this is 31. And, uh, I started out as an eighth grade B coach, B team, got asked by my head coach, Rich Renzema, to be the freshman coach. Um, I did that for five, four years, moved up to JV for about 15 years, not quite that many, 10 years, coached girls varsity for three years. And then uh, I was able to get the boys job 14 years ago. Uh, and I've been the varsity boys basketball coach ever since. I also coach girls golf in the fall. I like to be busy, evidently. Um, yeah, I've been pretty lucky. I got to work with two of my best mentors in football and basketball, uh, people who I think are two of the best coaches that high school coaches anybody could ever work for. And so I've been pretty lucky. I was able to jump right in and, you know, learn from them and then had enough time, I think 17 years, to figure out how to be a varsity coach, which is invaluable. So you've had the chance to learn not just – from others in, in basketball, but in multiple sports, which will be great because I know we have listeners that, although they're high school basketball coaches, similar to being in your shoes, they're they're either an assistant or a head coach even at some other sports as well. And in this topic, maybe more than any other, I think there's going to be some carryover, um, some common characteristics of you know how we can start to get the most out of our teams and players. So in your experience, right, 30, 30 years, different sports, boys, girls, what are some of the commonalities that you found when it comes to having kids, you know, quote unquote, overachieve? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is people have to, uh, kids have to um, believe they can achieve. And uh, we try to instill belief in our kids. Um, I just started watching Ted Lasso and, He's got the big sign, believe, on his wall. And uh, I think that's, like, more important than anything. If you don't believe you can win a game, if you don't believe you can start on the varsity basketball team, if you don't believe you can make the freshman basketball team, you're right. And that's one of our sayings in our program. You can't say can't. You're not allowed to say can't. And uh, I think you got to start with that. And you start with that from a young age. And, uh, you know, we're lucky – like in basketball, we can really talk to kids. We start kids camp at age grade one, and we start talking about it right then. And, uh, you know, 
really, really emphasize the positive at the younger ages. And yet we have one kind of rule for every level is that you run everywhere. When you walk on the basketball floor, you run everywhere. Because I also think, especially in basketball, like quote, overachieving comes with just playing harder than somebody else all the time. So there's a belief system there. You talk about the, the work ethic, right? That that comes with running anywhere. I love instilling that, especially uh, with kids at a young age. That's funny because when we run some of our basketball camps and I don't tell the kids, right? We just, we, we do it. And so, Hey, blow the whistle, bring the kids in, you know, and you know, 80, 90% of the kids run in and then there's always a couple stragglers and then boom, that's when we give, give our message like that's not how we do things at basketball camp um and i love that you're doing that those uh very same things with uh your program at a very young age uh th there's so many things at the youth level that you can start to build and then it just stacks and it stacks and it stacks on top of the the next year so you talked about the belief some of the work ethic uh, before we get into some of the details of maybe on on court are there any other characteristics or conversations that you have with your players to really get them to buy into that belief and really start to overachieve, maybe not in your mind, but in the eyes of others? You know, the thing about overachieving, quote unquote, in the eyes of others is um, it's not really overachieving. I don't think if you are achieving, like I just think kids, I want kids to think they can quote overachieve when really they're just achieving, you know? And uh, I think playing to your strengths and working on your weaknesses. Um, I had a boy a couple years ago who everybody in the world knew was only going right. And uh, we worked on his left hand in practice a lot. When it got to games and we're running sets for him, he's going right. And you know what? Like we play some of the best defensive teams around in the districts and the regionals. Everybody knows he's going right and he averaged 28 points. Because you know what he did? He went right better than anybody, even the kids guarding him. Like, you could cheat all you wanted. He's still going right, and he's still going to score. And I think um, a big thing about, quote, overachieving is just really figuring out where your strengths are and playing to them. So we're playing to our strengths. Let's say, um, you know, I, I love that. It's like, you know, James Harden before he – switch teams and all that stuff back when he's, you know, playing for the Rockets and it's like, he's going left, he's going left, he's going left. He's still going left. Right. Yeah. Everybody knows it still can't stop it. Um, so you maximize your, your strengths. You try to minimize your weaknesses. If you're to look at that from a full team dynamic, all right, let's say you have a team that's, they're not as tall. They're not as fast. They're they're not as strong. They're not as gifted athletically as maybe some of the other teams that they are playing. What are some of the ways that you're able to make those teams? Because every coach listening, they have those teams, right? Unless you're recruiting your players, which most public schools, let's stay away from recruiting, right? We, you know, we can get a laugh in about that. How do we get those teams that, from the physical standpoint, aren't maybe as advanced as others? I think um, it all comes down to, personally, you you have to play harder. Um, you, have to, you have to play as fast as you can, as long as you can, and you have to do that every day. Uh, like, I asked my assistant coaches um, before I came on here, I said, what do you guys think, like, what is it? Why do our 
you know, why do people perceive us as playing so hard, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, well, we demand it from seventh grade on. Like I heard a couple of episodes ago, um, you had a coach talking about transition defense and sprinting two steps, right. Or sprinting three steps and transition defense. Well, I think if you sprint the first two steps to offense, the same thing, right. And if you're not the fastest, you're not the biggest, you're not the strongest, doggone well better play with everything you have because the fastest kids don't have to right they don't have to go 100 to beat you so you have to and i also think you have to be more aggressive i think you have to um be more aggressive both offensively and defensively um playing passive when you're not as talented is a recipe for disaster so dig into that a little bit more because i think it's it's uh maybe human nature if we don't have quite the athletes like a coach that has a lot of speed they're probably going to use that speed they're going to go get you right they're going to try to speed you up because they feel like they have more speed than you so dig into you know why you believe that hey if we don't have some of that we need to push it even more i think because um because if you if you're playing against somebody that's really fast, we were my team last year was very fast. Um, we weren't the biggest, but we were very fast. And if you can slow down a very fast team, you can slow them down by being closer to them. I think if we're talking about defense, the farther away you get from somebody, the more speed they're going to work up. Uh, and if you can get them playing a little faster than they're used to, they're going to turn it over a few times, give you some extra possessions, maybe. Um, bottom line is when you're playing more talented teams, it really comes down to, uh, can you squeeze out a few extra possessions here and there? Um, can you get some transition buckets that you get a couple fast breaks, you get some long rebounds, whatever, and your kids are taught to turn and sprint and, uh, maybe you get to the rim quicker. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I just think that. Uh, if you just sit back against teams that are more athletic, you're just going to get killed. So as you think about a team that now maybe not has, doesn't have the general skill set, maybe you know, from average, we're below average from a shooting standpoint. We're below average ball handlers. We're uh, below average as far as some of, maybe even some of our basketball IQ from a skill standpoint, from an IQ standpoint. Um, what are some ways that you found that can be a, allow your team to be effective? You know, if, if they're, maybe they're just a, a team that maybe they just don't have the players, right? They don't have as many. I like to say uh, with some of the coaches that we work with, ask yourself this question heading into the season. Does your team have basketball players coming in to basketball season or do you need to turn them into basketball players? throughout the course of the season and it's an important question to ask because that can answer a lot of questions for <laughs> what what especially the preseason going to look like realistically you, you have some of both right mm -hmm. let's say for the most part this is a team that it just doesn't quite have as many basketball players on it what are some things you found to be successful um again i think you got to maximize your team strength so you know i've had teams like this where you come, I mean, I coached JV for a long time and 
that means it's pretty much what your team is, right? If they're really good, they're going to be on the varsity team as a sophomore. I might get a couple freshmen that can play. And I think I was one of the best things about being a JV coach for so long and a freshman coach for so long is it really teaches you how to maximize your team's strengths, whatever set you run. You know, I was lucky. My, uh, my head coaches didn't demand I run their sets, right? Like we had a basic structure. We had a basic structure and we had a basic philosophy of defense, but I could, you know, maximize my team's strength. So my boy that can only go right, we're going to run a set for him from left to right. My boy that can only go left, you know, we're going to run a set from him from right to left. And uh, and my boy that's, you know, 6'5", you know, he's going to get something by the rim, hopefully. I say 6'5", I don't think I've really ever had one of those in JV, but the same idea. And uh, I think as a coach, you just have to find a way to put your best players in the best spots. I think it's true, like, it's true on every level, right? Like, you watch the NBA, and they're putting their best players in the spots they really prefer, and it doesn't look like it, but the sets they run and stuff are to get those people shots in their spots. And uh, I think you can take that right down to high school. I mean, you know, I had a boy a few years ago who uh, he could shoot threes, but he, he, he could shoot him, but he was like 40% from the right slot in the top of the key. And he was like 20% from anywhere else. Well, I'm telling you, we ran, if he ran a set for him to shoot a three, he was going to shoot it from the right slot and not really anywhere else. He knew it. We knew it. Um, and I think that I'd like to think that maximized it, right. And maximized him as a player. I mean, with stats nowadays, high school, it's so much easier to get your stats. Um, and so, like, we use stats during the season constantly. Not necessarily for, you know, scouting, self-scouting, mostly. Before we get back to the episode, this Sunday, if you're listening to this live, November 13th, 2022, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., our first ever Thumb Area Coaches Clinic at Unionville Seabling Area Schools in Michigan. Joe Jacobs speaking on scouting and specials. Craig Archer talking about ball screens and the European offense. I'm speaking on how we can create high intensity drills that happen quick, fast. Coach Jay Green from Kingston is talking about his favorite offensive and defensive small group drills. And then Misty Kramer of Imagine 320 is talking about team building and communication, strengthening those skills within your coaching staff and your program. You can go to KramerBasketball.com slash events to register. The coaches that are a member of CoachesEdge.coach, you get a big discount. We can't wait to have an awesome clinic and see you there. Let's get back to the show. Well, it's a great point. As the season starts to build, you get a few games under your belt. You start to get a better idea of truly what those strengths and weaknesses are not just from a player standpoint, but so specific in the locations of the court and trying to emphasize getting the ball to certain spots, to certain players at certain times so that they can do what they do best. You put something really interesting in your email and it said, if, if your team is personnel deficient, be different. What do you mean by that? Well, I really believe I have a good friend uh, Tom Vanderclay, he's coached at Wyoming for many, many years. And uh, we both believe our teams are usually short compared to the teams we play in the Grand Rapids area. 
so I don't call that personnel. I said personnel deficient, but I mean, you know, you're not, you're not running out the um, six, five, six, six kids all day. Uh, you got some kids that know the game pretty quick. So you have to do something different. You have to play differently. You can't, um, I, I believe, I believe this in football. Uh, when we played, when we were football coaches, our team, we, we were different than other people in the way we played. And uh, when I, when we were very good in football, we were just different than everybody else and how we played. And uh, I learned that at a younger age. And I thought, man, it's true. We got to be different. Like we can't. So for years we were run and jump Probably one of the only real run and jump teams at our level in the area where, I mean, we did it as soon as the ball was thrown up to the end of the game, we were run and jump. I mean, give or take, you know, and uh, I just think, Anything that makes teams have to take a little longer to figure out how to play you um, gives you advantage. And uh, and so that's what I mean by be different. Um, you know, offensively different, whether it's Princeton or whatever. I mean, yeah. It's a great point because if it's a look that other teams aren't seeing, then you're better because of it. And the – the fact that you're running, let's let's say you run a run and jump, right? It may not be the best run and jump out there, but if it's different look than what other people are seeing, then it is a better version of run and jump, right? Just because it's it's different. It's like if uh, you know you're the you run a base man to man defense, but when you go to your secondary defense, you play a one three one, and you're the only team in the conference that plays a one three one. Well, that one three one in actuality, it may kind of suck. But the fact that you're the only person running the one three one, you make that other team have to think, right? They they don't practice against it. This is something that they're uncomfortable with. That in itself is a big advantage for you. Like I think uh, there'll be another podcast that comes out later. Um, we were talking to a coach about running a three two defense, and he's talking about one of the benefits of running a three two defense is because of the shape of the three two easily allows you to transition to play a triangle two and a box and one without having to get out of the three, two, you, you can just make one little call and all of a sudden, boom, you're in a box and one kids don't even know it until the player that you're picking up moves. Right. Um, you're in a three, two say, Hey, here, here's the call. This is yellow. Okay. Two wings are picking up man to man. We're in a triangle. Right. And just being able to, to give something, it may not be a great triangle too. It may not be a very good box and one. The fact that it's different gives you an advantage. And so all those little nuggets I think are, I think are huge. You mentioned yeah, the mentality sure. aspect. How do you combine the buy-in from the kids with the strategy of doing something when maybe they're really not sold on it, or maybe it's something that uh, you throw in at different points in time to uh, catch the defense off guard or the offense off guard? Um, I think buy-in, I think buy-in comes right from the beginning where you tell them, like what I do is I always say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Um, when we were running jump, we knew we had a series of teams with really good athletes, like, but were they great basketball players? I had one, I would say yeah, maybe two, one college level player, a couple of all conference type over a few years, basketball, a few guards, but man, we had some athletes. We had, you know, football defensive backs and 
we had kids that could really run. And so we're like, Hey guys, this is why we're doing the run and jump. This is what we're doing it for. You know, we're going to run teams into the ground. Uh, we're going to practice harder than everybody else. We are going to, we are going to win the game in the fourth quarter. Um, and uh, I think, I think if kids don't buy in, like, I don't know, there comes a point in time where you either buy in or you don't play and kids still like to play. I mean, they still like to play. And, but I, I do think that if you, if you, if they know why, that makes a huge difference, it makes a huge difference. You know, it makes a difference when they go home and hear mom and dad complaining about our dad complaining about what we're doing. And uh, they say, well, here's what we're doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that makes a huge difference. And you also mentioned playing fast. What do you think about the, this goes, I think this goes right in line with what you've already mentioned, the benefits of playing fast, even if you may not be the more skilled team could be a benefit because there's essentially less thinking involved than if you're playing slow, you're pulling it out and your kids are trying to slowly process each possession. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, um, I think the more thinking you do in basketball, the less good you're going to be. Um, you can, you know, you played enough, right? I played whenever I have a set and a kid doesn't know it, they're about a second slower. Once they figure, like they got to figure out what they're doing and they got to do it and they're not really sure. Um, I don't know. We have very few sets, I would say, compared to a lot of people. Um, I forgot what your original question was. It was something about playing fast, I think. And uh, I don't know. I just think you get a mentality of attacking, like you just attack. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you don't be afraid to attack. And I think if you slow down, like there's a phrase you never hear, almost never hear in our program, almost never hear, set it up. Like mm -hmm. I can probably count on one hand number of times we've said the phrase, set it up, not out of a baseline, out of bounds play or sideline, out of bounds play or out of an ended out of timeout, right? Um, like flying down the floor, like set it up isn't a word we use, right? It just isn't a phrase we use. We um we just don't believe in it. I mean set what up? Like coach, like we're already here. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the rim. Let's let's go. And so we really preach attack. Mm -hmm. And uh people people are like, well, you're not, you know, last year you're really quick. You can do that. Two years ago, we were tall. We could do that. Three years ago, I don't know. Um, I just think kids got to believe, right? We talked about this before. Like, you got to believe. And you got to believe you can go score. And otherwise, why are you out there? And I know we got kids that are better at defense or whatever. Yeah, we work on that. We work on, you know, playing your strengths, right? Man. Man, it's fun to go score. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, um, you don't have to tell me twice. The, uh, yeah, no. the, the, the difference between working hard and being a winner. Right. I mean, that, that's what I think of with the belief system, right? When you really believe in yourself, it's listen, if you're playing high level basketball, everybody works hard, everybody. Right. So, but the mentality, the body language, the eye contact, whether you communicate, the swag, right? The inner belief. And 
the team dynamic of when you come into the gym together, whether it's practice, whether it's a big game, whether you're playing a team that's, you know, 0 and 10 going into their 11th game, you walk in with that same winner's mentality of this is what we do. This is how we do things. And it's a little bit more of a, a business mindset um, while still being fun, right? That's just how you can get the best out of yourselves. I think that goes a, a really, really long way. Let's say you're having a conversation with a coach and they're, they're saying, you know, Coach Van Campen, man, we, we graduated four out of our five starters. Um, we have, you know, some decent athletes, not a lot of size and not a lot of basketball players coming back. And we pr- play in a pretty talented uh, area. Is there something that, you know, a, a wrinkle, a type of defense or a type of offense that you found or, or would recommend for us to use that might be successful against teams like that? I've always thought that it isn't really X's and O's that win. Um, maybe because I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a very good X's and O's guy. I feel like uh, it's uh, from day one, you convince your kids they're outworking everybody else they're playing. And uh, and your practice has to be that way. I mean, you have to practice hard. You have to practice hard. And, um, and I mean, I, I mean, I'm here talking to you. I've had a one in 20 team, right. Where we, we were not good. We were all juniors. We were very young, young juniors, small juniors. And, uh, we took the attitude that, well, we're not going to see the results this year, guys. Probably we didn't say this to them, but from coaching staff, we're not going to see the results this year. We are going to work them just like we'd work our best teams. And by the end of their senior year, they're a very good team. And uh, I think, uh, I think if you have four new starters, I mean, you're talking my team last year, you're talking my team this year, four new starters in a very good league. I think, uh, I think you just got to have built already. And if you're new, start building tomorrow. Like they say the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. The best time to start your building. This is the first day of practice, wherever you're at. And you just put it in and you're just practicing harder than everybody. You're running harder than everybody. I don't mean running like, you know, sprints. I mean, just your practices are full speed, teaching your kids to attack. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think you'll obviously basketball still a talent driven game. Right. And, and, but I think you have more success that way than trying to scheme yourself to, you know, you know, five or six wins on the year. Um, and it's not as fun. Mm-hmm. That was some great tips and, you know, to reverse engineer this or think about it on the flip side, there's teams that are talented and they underachieve, right? You, you seem like, mm-hmm. man, we got all the pieces in place. Are pretty athletic. Got some players, got some shooters, got some size inside and are able to really put all the pieces together, right? So, you know, we're talking about one side for the majority of this podcast interview, but you've coached for a long time. You've also had tremendously successful uh, teams and individual players. What are some of the things, and maybe the same things, but 
Yeah. Are there any things that are different when you already know, boy, we got a pretty talented group already. Well, we got, we got a, a player, um, you know, your daughter, for example, whoever it might be, some, this, this player is going to go on and play college basketball. Here's some things that we can make sure that we concentrate on so that we can maximize the potential that we have. Oh man. Um, I, I think, put you on a uh, spot there. <laughs> well, well, I'm not exactly sure how to answer it. I think um, if you're talking about like I had a few years where I had one player who was just so much better than everybody, like he would just dominate practice. And uh, it came down to, Hey, uh, you know, um, Nick, everybody's standing, everybody's standing on the left block, right? Like watch film them. Everybody's standing on the left block, Nick, why are they standing on the left block? Because you are going to go let they know that if you get to the left block, it's over. Like you're either going to hit a pull jumper, you're going to the rim. It's over. And uh, so today in practice, even though you're scrimmaging and you're going to, you know, you're not allowed to go to the left block. Like that's basically turnover. You get there, turnover. I don't care. Our guys aren't smart enough to stop you from going there or good enough. And uh, just try to find ways to, uh, I would say, maximize their individual ability. Like, I think one of the coolest things about coaching is finding really good things in every kid and then maximizing them um, from player number one to player number 12, 15, however many you have. Um, and seeing and then making sure they know they're better at it. Right. And, uh, but I think, I don't know if you owe it to the better player more than to the number 15 player. I don't think that's actually true, but man, it's fun with those kids. It is. Um, that's what, you know, coaching, coaching the really high level kids is really fun. And, uh, and I think we owe it to them to do the best job we can to help them get as far as they can. Absolutely. One, 100%, um, you know, put your kids in position to succeed on the court, off the court. And for those that have a chance to play at the next level or whatever that might be, we want to put them in position to uh, maximize that, that potential as well. I remember um, my junior year in high school, we got 19 and one in the regular season and uh, we'd returned, you know, quite a few of our top players and uh, first practice of the year, coach Gainforth just got inducted to the, uh, BKM Hall of Fame this year. He uh, he's got a basketball. I still remember. He's got us all sitting against the back pad, right? First practice of the season. Everybody's you know nervous and excited. He takes a basketball and he rolls it onto the floor. Just starts rolling. We're just staring at the ball. We're like, all right, what's coach got to say here? Um, he's like, guys, <laughs> we could roll this basketball out and win almost every game this year. But that's not why we're playing. He's like, we're not playing to win most every game this year. If we just roll the basketball out and play, that's not going to allow us to be the best that we can be. And this is not about us winning as many games as we can, as much as it is about us being the very best team that we can possibly be. And if we're going to do that, it's going to take a lot of hard work. And we're going to be pushed and you're going to be challenged, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. And that's what, that set the standard basically for a, for a really awesome season. We ended up losing the state champs in the, in the quarters that year. And, uh, you know, to this day, it's been a long time since I was a high school senior, but I still remember, you know, that message of, um, you know, success is measured 
maybe on the outside by wins and losses, but on the inside, you you want to maximize your talent as you talked about. You want to do the best that, that you can be. And it looks a lot different on the inside, right? It's tough conversations. It's being pushed, challenged mentally, physically, emotionally uh, on a consistent basis. So you can get the most out of, out of yourself. And maybe that totally doesn't show up in the win loss record. Maybe get a couple more wins because of it, but on the inside, your actual growth and improvement is so much closer to what your actual potential was than what it could have been. If you're not pushing and challenging and trying to get the best out of your kids, as you've been talking about right there, have there been any characteristics that you found as far as the personality of a team or an individual player that has allowed them to be successful? Yes, absolutely. Not as concerned about their own stats as winning. I mean, I think, uh, I think I've been pretty lucky over the last, I would say, since 2014, 20, probably since we were one in 20, that we have had a group of kids every year who don't really care about their stats. I mean, even my best players, um, they haven't, they haven't, and they do, all kids do, right? Everybody wants to go tell their, you know, buddies they had 25 and five or whatever. But, um, I mean, I had a player a couple of years ago who, his whole goal, his whole single goal was to get 10 assists in a game. And he wasn't even a point guard. He was like our, he was like our wing who we, he would throw the ball in for us and he'd have to trail and he'd get the ball in his hands a lot. But man, he made us so much better because his single goal was, he never got it. He got to nine. He, of course, every game he would be upset at somebody for missing a wide open shot. He got him right. But uh, I, I think, I think, we've been really fortunate. You know, I have kids, you know, I had Nick who scored 52 points in a game and everybody at the game would say it was an unselfish 52. He took the shots that he was open and he took the, you know, he didn't, he didn't like overtake anything. Right. He just made everything. And uh, I think that's what maximizes teams is a whole team full of people that share the ball. Don't care who gets the credit. Um, I definitely preach that right like i don't get the credit for sure i don't want the credit they know i don't want the credit um they deserve it but at the same time they deserve as a team and i think the best players even all the way up right i mean the ones that really succeed are the ones that really don't care who gets the credit they want to win <laughs> they want to be successful well accolades come with winning right like yeah. Absolutely. Like if you want to be all conference and your team doesn't win a game, good luck. And you know, you want to be all state and your team wins 10 games, good luck. I mean, it's it's unless you're just so much better and you, you have some guys that can't play. I mean, so that's a big thing right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um like I say, every every team's got a leading score. Yeah. 120 teams got a leading score. It doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't mean a whole lot no. to be the leading score on your team were you successful, right? And that doesn't always mean, hey, we won the league, but, you know, back on the subject of this podcast, you know, how close were we to maximizing the ability, right, the God-given characteristics, the skills that we had coming into the season? 
were we able to get close to that, then that's that's what success looks like for for that given year. You know, you mentioned that one in 20 year, but you know, maybe that was pretty darn good season, right? Given the the capabilities of that program, the kids worked hard, improved, you had a better year the next year. Um, so all those things come into mind. Success um looks looks different and is different uh for for every single player, team, uh, individual and group. What are some of the biggest takeaways that you've had? I mean, 31 years total at Coopersville. Mm -hmm. You've been coaching multiple sports, boys, girls. What's some advice that you give to another coach? Maybe their first or second year coach. Um, first of all, girls and boys are, I coach in the exact same way. The only difference is I say boys, uh, you run a few more plays where the ball's up above the rim. Um, I really like coaching girls. I coached girls golf. I coached girls travel basketball for years. I think I coached, I think my biggest compliment was when one parent who'd seen me do both said, I, you coach exactly the same way. You coach the girls just like you coach the boys. And I, I think people don't really understand that. First of all, um, I think that kids really haven't changed over the years. What's changed is the outside influences, right? The kids haven't changed. Um, they're still the same. Uh, they still really, really want to be successful. They still really want to be part of something that's successful. They want to be, they really want to be, they want to feel like they're an important part of a successful adventure, whatever it is. And this is true of all humans, right? Like all humans uh, just need to feel like they're part of something important and something good. And um, I think more than anything, more than money, more than a lot of things, you know, feeling a part of a clan or a tribe or whatever you have it. And uh, I, I don't think it's a change at all. I think social media has changed things in a lot of ways. Kids know each other more. Um, I'm not sure it's always bad. I, I really think like when I play my brothers, I have three brothers when I played them in a game, I want to beat them so bad. And that doesn't mean that we don't, quote, love each other, right? It's that we want to beat them. And I think uh, I think kids knowing each other, I think that raises the level a little bit of intensity in games, where if you go in, you don't know these guys at all. It's just different. Um, so, yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is things really haven't changed. I think you just treat kids right. You demand whatever you demand, they will do. And, you know, I mean – I think if you demand from a loving place and you build relationships with kids and you say, here's what we do here. And they'll, they'll come to that. I mean, if you think your team is going to stink, you're right. I mean, just like we say, if you say can't, you're right. And, uh, and so I don't think that's changed it at all. And uh, yeah, it's still fun. It's still, yeah. Yeah. It's great. The more you, the more you show you care, the more demanding you can be, right? I mean, it's, it's, hard to, sure. it's hard to demand a lot from somebody if I'm like, well, I don't really care about you, but I'm going to ask you to do a heck of a lot. Like, nobody's going to work hard <laughs> for that coach, right? I mean, the, the program's going to fall apart in, you know, less than a season if uh, if that's the case. Coach, last question. As we as we started this podcast, uh, you talked about some people that have made a, a positive impact in, in your life and in your coaching career. Uh, if you just wanted to share, you know, one nugget, who, who's somebody that 
you know, has positively impact your coaching career? And what was one of those uh, things that sticks out to you? Um, so I'll stick with basketball because uh, Rich Rensma was the basketball coach at Cooperville for years, took him to state finals. I was riding along as a JV coach. I went to state finals in 2001, lost from Reese Eggers team. Um, and what I learned from him, a couple things. Number one, his he was ahead of his time, but he was, they were different, right? They were different. Uh, back then, they switched everything. Back then, they threw the ball ahead. Uh, they went to the rim. They attacked. Everything was attack. Uh, but he was extremely disciplined. His practices were planned to the minute. Uh, not that I do that anymore, but, you know, I still write my practice plans that way, but I'm not quite like he was. Like, if the drill was done, they moved on. And uh, But he was um, he was disciplined yet fair with everybody um, and, and obviously enjoyed the kids, obviously enjoyed coaching. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I don't know, I could list a million different little things, but what I just said is probably the biggest things of all. Like, really, Coopersville basketball, people that come back and watch Coopersville basketball who graduated in the 90s and 2000s, some of their kids are playing, they see the same brand. It's the same brand. It hasn't changed. And uh, and that's pretty cool. No, that is pretty cool that you have a, a culture and tradition strong enough and it just keeps rolling, rolling, rolling mm-hmm. along. And, and that's how you get a lot of community support. Um, and as you mentioned, people continuing to come back and, and support Coopersville basketball. Coach, can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the, the podcast. If any coaches have questions or they want to reach out to you, um, you know, what's a good way to find you? Um, uh, my email is at uh, P. Van Kempen. My, I think my name's on the uh, podcast mm-hmm. uh, at capsk12.org. Uh, it's Coopersville High School. You can find me there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Twitter at Coach underscore VK. Uh, yeah, those are fine. Um, yeah, I'm happy. I'm, I like talking basketball. So yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. we could talk. We could talk it all day. Um, <laughs> Coach, thanks yeah, again yeah, for yeah, taking yeah, the time yeah. to to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. To our listeners, uh, thank you for for tuning in. And until the next episode, get after it today. All right. Thanks, Steve.